Turn with me to the book of 1 John. Book of 1 John chapter 1 and verse 1. Jesus was worn out from ministry. I, I don't know if you've experienced just the, just the sheer bone-tired feeling of being exhausted. But Jesus was just tired. And so he said, you know, disciples, I'm not going to go with you to town to get the bread. You go ahead and go. I'm going to sit here at the well and rest. But long about that time, a woman came, drawing water at an unusual time because she wanted to avoid the stares and gossip of the other women. Jesus struck up a conversation with her and said, I've got some water for you. If you drink this water, you won't get thirsty again. And naturally, she was intrigued by that. And uh, she began to, to talk with Jesus, and Jesus talked with her. Long story short, Jesus told her the truth of the good news, that she could find salvation in him. And uh, she was never the same. She was changed. And she went to the townspeople. She said, come here, a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? And all of these people came with her to meet with Jesus. And they said, now we believe, not just because of what you told us, but we have seen him for ourselves. I was raised in church and. Uh, I'd heard a lot about Jesus. I could tell you the right answers to a lot of questions. But I had never seen for myself. And I remember the day when the Lord showed me I was lost and that I needed Christ and uh, through the, the preaching of an evangelist. And uh, about, for about a year I struggled with it. Then I gave my heart to Christ. And it was as if a light turned on within my heart. And I've never been the same. You see, Jesus Christ makes a difference in the hearts of people. He is not just a hope. He is the hope of this world. The scripture we're going to look at today, John is writing later on in his life to um, some Christians that he has shepherded and influenced and he knows that there are some issues. There are some doctrinal issues in the church. Uh, but there's also some things that, are, that need to be shared. There's some understanding that needs to be gleaned. And so he writes to share with them about Jesus Christ, the gospel, what it is, who Jesus is, and how to have a relationship with him. But more than that, he also speaks of a joy that they can have through this relationship with Jesus Christ. We need to share the gospel with other people because the hope of this world is Jesus. That's how my message is why we witness. Look with me at 1 John 1 verse 1. It says, what was from the beginning could also be translated who was from the beginning. What we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have observed and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. And that life was revealed 
We have seen it, and we testify and declare to you the eternal life that was with the Father and was revealed to us. What we have seen and heard, we also declare to you so that you may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Why we witness? Well, first of all, we witness because people need a right understanding. People need a right understanding. Apparently, there were some of those within the church that John was writing to that did not believe the resurrection had occurred. Probably some false teaching. Uh, some believe it was an individual named Serenthus, who was an early predecessor of the Gnostics. But uh, whoever it was, they were declaring that Jesus had not raised from the dead. There are people that will declare that today. But Jesus has risen from the dead. And John writes, not just as a, as a curious bystander, he writes as an eyewitness of what has taken place. And he speaks, I like the translation who a little bit better than what. But in verse 1, who was from the beginning, who we have heard, who we have seen with our eyes, who we have observed and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The word of life, you, what do you mean you've heard and touched and observed the word of life? <clears throat> in John chapter 1, the gospel of John, he says, In the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. <clears throat> So, this word, <coughs> not coronavirus, allergies. <clears throat> so, this word of life that he's talking about is Jesus Christ. He's saying, look, you say he's not raised, but I'm going to tell you something. Not only has he been raised, he's the one who's always been. He's the one who is from the beginning. When God said, let there be light, he was there. What we have heard, who we have heard, we heard him teach. Not just before his death, but after his resurrection. For 40 days he was with them. He appeared to over 500. What we have seen with our eyes, we have observed the risen Savior. Who we have touched with our hands, we've beheld. Listen, the, what we have observed, it says before that, what we have observed literally is the word that we get our English word theater from. It's the idea of observing with interest. Can you imagine what it must have been like to see Jesus in action? Not just his earthly life, but uh, after his resurrection to see him speaking. I, I, I tell you what, I don't know what I'd have given. Probably everything I had just to be on that walk to Emmaus. Can you imagine what that must have been like? Two men, finally, when they realized it's Jesus, they said, weren't our hearts burning within us as we discovered his truth, and we talked about his truth? He opened the scriptures to us. Like the guard said, no man ever spoke like this man before. 
We observed. John said we were just amazed. We sat there and beheld in wonder. We have touched him with our hands. Thomas was not the only one who touched Jesus. The disciples interacted with him. Jesus actually ate some food. Uh, so we, we are, we are obser- observers of the one who rose from the dead. And we speak of him, the word of life. He is the message of life. He is the truth about life because he has overcome death. They needed a right understanding of who Jesus was. I can't tell you how many people that we have talked to in this community who have a wrong understanding of who Jesus is. Some people don't believe that Jesus is fully God. You talk to a Jehovah's Witness, they'll, they don't believe that. Uh, if you talk to the Mormons, they believe that there's more than one God. The Hindus believe that as well. Uh, if you talk to a liberal theologian, they'll tell you, well, we don't believe, we think Jesus just appeared to be physically here and wasn't hanging on the cross. He's, one of my professors called him Jedi Jesus. Uh, you know, we, we just, he just appeared to be there and he wasn't really there. Uh, There's all these views that are out there, and people desperately need to hear the truth. Because I'm going to tell you something. They're not going to find any answers in anybody else but Jesus Christ. And any perversion of who Jesus is becomes a false God. Jesus was fully God, fully man, and one person. And we serve one God in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. There's one way to salvation. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. People need to hear the truth. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. It was the truth that brought me to Christ. I still remember the text. It, Unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. And I recognized I had not repented of my sin. And the truth that came to me through the word of God led to my salvation and changed my life. People need a right understanding. I've heard people say, well, doctrine divides and love unites. Let's just love each other. Let's forget about doctrine. No, you, we better not. Because without doctrine, there is no relationship with Christ. Without truth, there is no narrow gate through which we can enter. The world desperately needs to hear the truth. You and I hold the truth. We know the truth, and we can share the truth. And we can also, you say, well, I'm not a very good spokesperson. Let me tell you something that everybody in this room can do. You can tell people what Jesus has done for you. You don't have to have a Ph.D. to do that, do you? You don't even have to be that good of a Bible student to do that. You just say, hey, this is what, I love love what the man said to the Pharisees. You know, they're trying to get him to say something bad about Jesus. And he says, well, you know, wherever he was from, I don't know. But I think he's from God. But, but one thing I do know, once I was blind, now I see. 
What do you have to say about that? You see, as we share what Christ has done in our lives, people have the opportunity to see the reason for the hope that's in us. This world is, is desperate. People out there are paralyzed by fear. People out there are, are confused. And we hold the answer. So why do we witness? We witness, first of all, because people need a right understanding. Secondly, because people need an eternal life. Look at verse 2. That life was revealed, and we have seen it. And we testify. That's another word for witness. We testify and declare to you the eternal life that was with the Father and was revealed to us. Eternal life is found in a person. We witness because eternal life is found in Jesus, and people need to know that. People need eternal life. John 17, 3 says, This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Eternal life begins the moment a person trusts in Jesus Christ. A lot of times I used to think of eternal life in the future. And it is in the future in the sense of we're going to get our glorified bodies and we're going to go to heaven. There will be a new heaven, new earth, and new Jerusalem and all those wonderful things that we have to hope uh, for. But eternal life is also right now for the person that knows Jesus Christ. It begins the moment we begin a relationship with Jesus Christ. And can I tell you, it's the most wonderful thing in this life. I wouldn't give you a plug nickel for life without Jesus. He is what makes life worth living. Uh, my dad, I was, I've shared with you before about his testimony. He was saved in his uh, late 20s. And um, he'd, he'd had everything. We were talking about this in Sunday school. Somebody gave a testimony of somebody else. Said the same thing. But he tried everything and nothing satisfied. And he, and he asked this question, is that all there is? Is that all there is? I've tried it all, I've done it all, nothing satisfies. Is that all there is? Can I tell you something, brothers and sisters? We know different. We know that there is something more, and his name is Jesus Christ. And he's the one who can truly satisfy the soul. He's the one that can bring joy. You say, well, I've seen some Christians that aren't joyful. Yes. It's kind of like the, um, the couple is... Man and his wife would sit in the pickup truck, and when they were first dating, you know, and they were first married, they'd snuggle up to each other in the pickup truck. You know, she'd come over and snuggle next to him and everything. And over the years, she got farther and farther away from him, and they were sitting on opposite sides of the truck. She said one day, you, you remember when we used to snuggle? Why don't we do that anymore? He said, I ain't moved. <laughs> and so... Uh, that, that's the same thing with God. I mean, listen, some Christians have no joy. And it's not because God's not working. It's because they've moved away from God. You see, people need an eternal life. Can I tell you, one of the most satisfying and wonderful things that we could ever do is lead somebody into a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you invite somebody to church and they get saved, or if you tell them the message of the gospel and they're saved, or if you plant a seed and down the road, you may not even know about it, they get saved 
and you find out about it in heaven. Isn't that going to be a... That gets me excited just thinking about it. An eternal difference is made. An eternal life. Why do we witness? Well, first of all, we witness because people need a right understanding. Secondly, because people need an eternal life. Thirdly, because people need a supernatural fellowship. A supernatural fellowship. If you look in verse 2, excuse me, look at verse 3. It says, what we have seen and heard we also declare to you, so that you may also have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. This fellowship, literally the word means sharing. This, it, it deals with relationship, this idea of sharing together in something. Uh, we want you to have fellowship. One of the reasons we're witnessing to you is so that you can have fellowship with us and so that you can have fellowship with God. Can I tell you something? There's no human being alive who can have fellowship with God just because they want to have it. Without a relationship with God, we're separated from Him. The scripture says your iniquity has, has hidden God's face from you so that he will not hear. By the way, that's what the veil was in the temple. It was a picture of the separation between men and God due to sin. And so Jesus came so that that fellowship could be restored. So we could be reconciled to God. And then we could begin the most satisfying relationship. I want to tell you something. There's no man and there's no woman that will ever satisfy your soul. It's just the way it is. You can find Mr. Wonderful or Miss Wonderful all day long. They'll not satisfy your soul like Jesus will. Don't expect them to. You need a supernatural fellowship. Now, when you have that supernatural fellowship with God that imparted fellowship with God, then you'll be able to have better fellowship with others. Sometimes I have to confess to you, I'm not the best husband, I'm not the best father. Matter of fact, that happened this week. I'll just, I'll just confess, okay? Might as well get real here. When I, when I get asthma, I get grumpy. I was grumpy this week, I had, several times. I had to apologize to my family. I, you know, been rude. I was grumpy, out of sorts, unspiritual, carnal in the flesh. Are you? Are you? You said well, we need a new preacher. <laughs> but um, anyway, I confess that to the Lord. Praise God, He forgives sin. But you know what I found when I am out of sorts in my personal life, I can take that to God, and I can. Enter the presence of God. And I say, well, God, I'm struggling. I have blown it. Uh, you know, I'm upset about this or that or the other. And I just need your help. Would you help me love my wife like Christ loved the church? Would you help me uh, be the, the father that I need to be? Would you help me to be the pastor I need to be to love my people the way I should? And you know what I found? As I bring that, as I cut, draw near to God and I spend some time and I, I thank God for the good things He's done, He changes my heart. 
And through the power of his Holy Spirit, he helps me relate with him, but he also helps me relate with other people. It's an amazing thing. It's something I cannot work up. It has to come from him. This supernatural fellowship is one reason we need to tell people about Jesus. People are hungry for relationship. They really are. And out in this world, a lot of times people don't care. Uh, we, we had an evangelist that came to our church when I was a kid, and he was, he was quoting that psalm and he, he, about his childhood. He said, no one, no one cared for my soul. He said, that was me when I was growing up. No one cared about me. No one thought twice about me. I was an outcast. And, of course, Jesus cared for his soul. Isn't it? Don't we serve an awesome God? But, but um, he came into relationship with Jesus and found a relationship that satisfied. He never got over it. He, he, would, he would witness to a post. That guy was the most excited Christian I've ever seen. He was unreal. Why? Because he had discovered a relationship with a person who cared about him more deeply than anything he had ever imagined. But one of the sweetest things of the Christian life is the fellowship that we have with other people who are believers in Jesus Christ. And we have it in, and you know, usually it happens in more of the small uh, fellowship groups, sometimes that Wednesday night or that Sunday school class or, or uh, uh, some, some context like that where we can share and we begin to uh, interact with each other. And, and God, through His Holy Spirit, uses us to build up each other and to strengthen each other. Uh, I had a group of pastors I used to meet with in Texas, and um, one week, one might open his devotional book and share what God had said to him that morning in his quiet time. So many times that edified me. We would pray for each other and, you know, intercede for each other. Great thing to do on Wednesday night, come, come, get, get some intercession time in. Um, but uh, also, we would just share. Sometimes we had burdens, and we would share those burdens with each other and uh, provide support and encouragement through God's Word. Such a great thing. And I looked forward to those times of fellowship. I look forward to the times of fellowship in this church with, your, with you as, as God's people. What an encouragement. There, oftentimes, I'll come, teach a lesson, and I get more of a blessing than the people that, that are in there. I mean, they start, they start sharing, and, and boy, I thought, boy, that's good. I wish I'd have thought, thought of that. That's, I, I, could, I could use that. And uh, God blesses me, and he lifts me up. That's what the body of Christ is all about. But can I tell you something? You can't experience that fellowship in the body of Christ the way that God desires until you have a relationship with him. That's one reason we witness, because people have a desperate need for relationship, and it can only be found in Jesus Christ. So why we witness? Because people need a right understanding, an eternal life, a supernatural fellowship, and I love this, an imparted joy. Look at verse 4. We are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Some manuscripts say your joy may be complete. Either way, he's talking about all the people in the, in the church, right? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. 
There's some other, other ones too. Patience, long-suffering, you know, self-control, all these things. But joy is number two on the list. Now, when you are walking in close fellowship as a child of God with, with the Lord, you can have joy that is not dependent on what's going on in this world. You can have joy regardless of how much money is in your bank account, regardless of what somebody that you care about is doing. You can have joy. Why? Because the living God is dwelling with you. And he is the source of joy. Peter said this. He said, um, we rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Unspeakable joy. We can't even describe it. I was having a conversation with somebody this past week. I said, don't you wish sometimes you could just open your heart and let people see what Jesus has done for you. It's hard to put into words. There's no way I think we could adequately express it. That's why the Holy Spirit has to work with us on a person's heart. But uh, what an amazing joy. Now, I, I, there are times I don't walk in joy. I'll, I'll be honest with you. There, there have been seasons. I remember one time I was angry with God, and for two years I was in a spiritual desert. But I'm going to tell you this, the moment you confess and repent of your sin as a Christian, you can walk in joy again. Ask for the filling of the Holy Spirit. Draw near to Him, He'll draw near to you. That's what the Scripture says. And He'll bring with Him His joy. The oil of joy for the spirit of heaviness. There's a lot of people with a heavy spirit in this world. But in Christ we can have joy. Listen, we have the best news. There's been a lot of bad news in the media lately, hasn't there? We have the best news that could ever be told. Let's share it. Boldly. Lovingly. Gently. And faithfully to the glory of our great Savior who has done so much for us. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Help us be faithful to share the precious truth of your gospel. Father, help us never uh, to, uh, in fear or in uh, inadequacy, Lord, fail to do what you've called us to do. Lord, help us remember what you said to us. Behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Thank you, Lord, that whenever we witness, we never witness alone, but you go with us to share the truth of the good news. Lord, help us be faithful as your people to share the message of the gospel. Lord, thank you.